Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is The Surge Effect, and I'm your host, Mike Surge. This podcast will be talking about anything and everything. Life in general to current events and past events, and all things about this beautiful and wonderful world that we live in. And this podcast, well, it'll probably have an effect on you. Hello, and welcome again to another episode of The Surge Effect. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. Uh, it's much appreciated. Um, like I said in my last podcast as well, uh, thanks again to everyone who subscribes and likes my channel. It's much appreciated. Um, it's much appreciated as I move up the the YouTube uh, algorithm up the up the chain. I uh, hope you like what I posted in regards to you know political stuff and ufology stuff, and uh, I'll probably get into some conspiracy stuff uh, or conspiracy theory or conspiracy fact um, in the future. Um, Anyway, you can also leave some comments in, in below in, uh, in regards to what, what maybe you'd like me to uh, post an up-and-coming podcast. So before I get going on this podcast, I would just like to uh, mention about the shooting that occurred down in the United States of America two days ago. My heart goes out to the families of these victims of the shooting the three adults and the three young children. My heart really goes out to you, you all. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, this continues to happen in the States and you're gonna have people on both sides, people for, people against, you know, gun ownership and all that. I know it's your second amendment right to, to bear arms, I, I get that. And I've always said, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. But there's going to be pros and cons with everything that everyone talks about in regards to guns. But I think it's this issue and this issue alone. This is just my personal belief. But when you look at the, the bigger picture, I believe it's it's mental health. It's plain and simple. I mean, just this last shooting alone. What type of a person, a sane person, goes into a school and shoots kids? Little innocent children that have their whole life ahead of them. What type of person does that? A person with mental health issues. People are going to put whatever spin they want on it. They're going to put any spin about guns and about, you know, transphobia and, and uh, straight or gay. Or, it's mental health. You look back and back over the years of all these people who have committed these heinous, heinous crimes against other human beings. It's mental health. Plain and simple. As I said, my heart goes out to you all. Okay, so on this episode of The Surge Effect, I'm going to be talking about fractional banking. These are types of things that uh, aren't taught in school. They don't tell you when you're in school or high school. They don't talk to you when you're a kid. Maybe your parents don't explain it to you because maybe your parents don't know themselves. Or maybe most people don't understand how it works. So we're going to get started right here. What is fractional banking, you say? Well, fractional banking, also known as fractional reserve banking, it's a banking system in which banks hold only a fraction of the money deposited by their customers in reserve, and they lend out the rest to earn interest. For example, if a bank has a reserve requirement of 10% and a customer deposits $100, the bank, it will keep the $10 in reserve and it'll lend out the other $90 to their customers, or they'll invest that in other financial assets, and then the bank earns interest 
on that loan and the depositor earns interest on their deposit when they put it in the bank. The system allows banks to earn income by lending out money while still maintaining enough reserves to meet the demands of the customer who wants to withdraw their money. However, it also exposes the banks to a risk of a bank run or what's known as putting a run on the banks. This happens when too many customers attempt to withdraw their money at once and the bank is unable to meet the demand for withdrawal due to insufficient reserves. Interesting on these bank runs and they've occurred numerous times, numerous times over the last century. Fractional banking has been, when did it all happen? Of course, when did fractional banking occur? It occurred, it practiced in various forms for centuries. But the modern form of fractional banking that we today originated, that we use today, originated originally in Europe in the 17th century. In the early days of banking, bankers would accept deposits like gold and silver from customers and issue receipts that could be redeemed for the, their deposit at a later date. Over time, these receipts began to circulate in the form of currency, allowing banks to expand their lending beyond the amount of gold and silver that they held in reserve. These notes were called promissory notes. Now, the practice of the fractional banking became more and more widespread with the development of these paper money and the establishment of central banks in the 19th and 20th century. And today, fractional banking is the dominant banking system in most developed countries around the world. Paper money is printed now in North America. So there's two places, of course, one in the States, one in Canada. The one in the States is the Federal Reserve Banking System, often referred to simply as the Fed. It was created in the United States by the United States Com Congress in 1913 with the passage of the Federal Reserve Act, and the act was signed into law by President Woodrow Wilson on December 23, 1913, and the Fed officially began operations on November 16, 1914. Now, the creation of the Fed was a response to a series of financial panics and banking crisis that had occurred in the United States in the late 19th and 20th centuries. And the Fed was established as a central bank to provide stable and flexible monetary and banking systems that could help prevent future crisis and promote economic growth. Today, the Federal Reserve Banking System is the central banking system that the United States and is responsible for conducting monetary policy, supervising and regulating banks and other financial institutions and providing financial s services to the United States government and the banking industry. The Fed basically prints money. The bank gives them a promissory note that they will pay back this money and the Fed prints it for them. The bank then lends out, say, $1,000 and they get to keep $100 and then they start charging interest as soon as you sign on the dotted line for your loan. Now, our Canadian Mint, the Royal Canadian Mint, which is the official sovereign mint of Canada, was established in 1908. At the time, Canada did not have its own mint and was dependent on other countries to produce its coins. The Canadian government established a mint in Ottawa, the capital city of Canada, to produce its own coins and increase its control over its own currency. The Royal Canadian Mint officially opened on January the 2nd, 1908, and began producing coins later that year. 
Today, the Royal Canadian Mint produces not only Canadian circulation coins for Canada, but also bullion coins, commemorative coins, medals, and other products for domestic and international customers. It is also known for its high-quality products, advanced technology, and innovative designs. Now, what is money attached to, you may ask? Well, money is typically not attached to any collateral, as it is a form of currency that serves as a medium of exchange, unit of account, and store of value. However, some types of money, such as paper money or banknotes, may be backed by collateral or reserves. For example, in the United States, the Federal Reserve Bank holds reserves of vault cash and deposits from banks as collateral for the insurance of Federal Reserve notes, which are the physical paper currency in circulation. Similarly, some forms of digital currency such as stable coins are designed to be backed by collateral assets such as fiat currency, commodities, or other cryptocurrencies to maintain a stable value. The value of these types of currencies is tied to the value of their underlying collateral and their stability depends on the strength and the reliability of the collateral backing them. So to basically, to sum it all up in a nutshell, listen to this video clip. And this video clip is from a gentleman by the name of Godfrey Bloom. He's going to tell you like it is here. Now, Godfrey Bloom, he is a, a member of the European, he was a, Europe, a member of the European Parliament for about 10, 10 years. Anyway, he explains to some people in regards to the banking system. Check it out. Commissioner, um, Mr. President, uh, I rise again, I'm afraid, to make the same old hoary speech that I've been making here for several years, and that is, it is my opinion that you do not really understand the concept of banking. All the banks are broke. Uh, Bank Santander, Deutsche Bank, Royal Bank of Scotland, they're all broke. And why are they broke? It isn't an act of God. It isn't some sort of tsunami. They're broke because we have a system called fractional reserve banking, which means that banks can lend money that they don't actually have. It's a criminal scandal, and it's been going on for too long. To add to that problem, you have moral hazard, a very significant moral hazard from the political sphere. And most of the problem starts in politics and central banks, which are part of the same political system. We have counterfeiting, sometimes called quantitative easing, but counterfeiting by any other name. The artificial printing of money, which if any ordinary person did, they'd go to prison for a very long time. And yet governments and central banks do it all the time. Central banks repress the amount of interest that rate, rates are, so we don't have the real cost of money. And yet we blame the real retail banks for manipulating LIBOR. The sheer effrontery of this is quite astonishing. It's central banks. It's central banks that manipulate interest rates, Commissioner. And plus, underneath all this, we talk loosely, in a rather cavalier fashion, do we not, about deposit guarantees. So when banks go broke through their own incompetence and chicanery, the taxpayer picks up the tab. It's theft from the taxpayer. And until we start sending bankers, and I include central bankers and politicians, to prison for this outrage, it will continue. So to give you some perspective on money, 
when you hear the government and people talking about millions of dollars or billions of dollars or trillions of dollars, uh, this what I'm about to tell you just might give you a little bit of understanding of, of how these large amounts, you know, they, how I can explain this to you, these large amounts, when you hear them all the time, it's no big deal. They just, these governments and politicians, they, they throw around these numbers like it's no big deal. But I'll tell you, I'll explain it to you in time. So, for instance, how much is a trillion dollars? If $1 million equals 12 days, $1 billion, billion dollars or billion seconds equals 32 years. So if 1 million seconds equals 12 days, 1 billion seconds equals 32 years. 1 trillion seconds equals 32,000 years. So like I said, once times, whenever you hear a politician, the government throw around numbers like it, like it's nothing, it's no big deal. But there is debt attached to everything that is printed. So most people don't understand or even know this, but how this thing works. But there is debt attached to money as soon as it is printed, whether it's Canada or the States. The minute that comes off that printing machine, boom, debt's attached to it. That's the way it works. Listen to this little short video. Hopefully this guy, he might explain just a, maybe a little bit better than I have so far. So have a listen. Number two, private banks and debt-based money. The vast amount of money created today is done by the private banking sector. In most developed economies, about 97% of the entire money supply is created digitally by banks, and therefore most money in the world is privatized. Banks invented digital money when they managed to persuade lawmakers after many early bank runs. A bank run is an event where depositors try to get their money out all at once, but the banks don't have it. From these events, banks argued that they should be legally allowed to create more deposits than actually exist based upon debt. And this is how governments outsourced the creation of digital money. Debt, debt, debt. The whole system is based and works around debt. So basically 97% of all money is debt. Believe this or not, but debt equals money just for a few different points of view. Here it is. To the lender, it is an asset. Of the money, to the borrower, borrow, borrower, it is a liability of debt. But they are one and the same. Money is literally created by typing numbers into a computer, and it appears as digital representations of government money in which you can spend. Now, the beneficiary of this trans transaction is actually the bank's because they get to charge interest in turn and they make a profit. So you go into debt until a loan is paid off with interest on that money. And then the banks always make profit. So basically in a nutshell, this fractional banking, I know that you're thinking this is all clear as mud, right? But this is the way our system works. And until we find a better way or new way is introduced, this just we'll just have to live with what we have, what we have right now. It's the way it works. Uh, I just hope this gives each and every one of you a better understanding of of how our system works. And uh, this works basically in every country around this world. This fractional banking. Um, in a nutshell. So hopefully it just enlightened you a little bit, may give you a little bit of better understanding, like I said, maybe it's something you didn't know uh, prior. 
So uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for listening to today's podcast, everyone. Today's podcast has uh, been sponsored by He Shirt She Shirts. Every one of my podcasts is sponsored by He Shirt She Shirts. Just show up to He Shirt She Shirts dot ca. Check out their webpage for all your clothing needs. It's also sponsored by Love My Legs Own Sound Gray Bruce. I'm going to put a description link down below in the description. You can click on their link and check them out. Um, so there are our sponsors for today. I would like to thank you all once again for listening to my podcast, each and every one of you. Uh, please don't forget to like and subscribe my podcast and ring that little bell. Every time I post a new video, you'll be informed um, via email on your phone of me posting a new um, video. Um, I can be found on rumble.com. It uh, can also be found on any Apple or Android device uh, using any podcast app. You just have to search for the surge effect. And it's just that simple. And you'll see my emblem. And that's how fast that is. Anyway, like I said, I hope uh, this has given you a little bit of an insight of how our money system works. I always get a kick out of when people talk about cryptocurrency and they always say in the house, our house, or they, I've heard them say it in the States, you know, what's crypt, crypto backed by? Well, what's money backed by? They just print it and uh, it just goes in the system. So cryptocurrency could do the same. Anyway, like I said, that's it for today's podcast, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Much appreciated. Thanks for spending your time with me. Cheers. This episode sponsored by he shirts she shirts go to www.heshirtsheshirts.ca just type in the letters tsa the surge effect when you check out type in tsa for your coupon and receive 10 percent off your next purchase thanks for listening to today's podcast everybody